Section 4 of A Short History of France by Mary Duclos. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Part 1. Chapter 4. The Kingdom of Toulouse. From the darkness of the past, these cities of the older France start into light, like the heads in some tarnished altarpiece before which a sacristan draws a lighted torch but in what a lurid illumination we see the next toulouse toulouse the century-long capital of the barbarian visigoths toulouse was an old town of the celtic tectosages which existed probably many hundreds of years before it was conquered by the romans it was always rich not in the way of lyon or bordeaux not as a great commercial centre but rather as the depository and hoarding place for the wealth of a vast agricultural region. Caesar noticed it as situated in an open country which produces a great deal of grain. Now everyone wants corn, and the farmers of Toulouse easily exchanged their harvests against sacks of gold, but they needed little, living on their fertile fields so the gold accumulated in the treasure tanks and secret chambers of the druids temples part of it no doubt placed there as it were in a bank but a great deal of it offered to the gods for the yeomen and labourers of the region were religious or if you choose superstitious like all men who depend on the weather and the unguessed will of a power above so rich a place inhabited by so peaceful a population is a temptation to robbers and toulouse situated on the neck of land where gaul is narrowest is easy of access from the north west and east so more than once the treasures of toulouse were plundered by the romans by the cimbri and might have been plundered yet more had not men remarked that these ill-gotten gains finally enriched nobody seemed to turn to faded leaves in the pocket like fairy gold while the robbers generally came to a miserable end so that the words aurum tolosanum the gold of toulouse became a proverb for unlawful wealth bringing a curse in its train but the real gold of toulouse was on its plains and slopes ripening anew every harvest and the farmers and the priests speedily grew wealthy again as owning a commodity that every one desires and the rich helpless city made the best terms it could with dangerous neighbours swiftly growing as quick to betray as it was accustomed to be plundered well aware that its real life lay in no schemes of policy or deeds of heroism but in the task of producing bread for all thus it existed for some hundreds of years before and after christ and then under the established rule of the romans happier days began the toulouse of the third and fourth centuries of our era was a learned and pleasant city famous for its bar and its university palladian toulouse ausonius calls it and so do several of his contemporaries the great brick town so populous that it had founded four cities with the overflow of its population rose red toulouse sheltered by its huge ramparts overlooking its orchards and its cornfields appeared definitively seated in its peace and prosperity 
when with the very dawn of the fifth century the roman empire crumbled and fell to bits in 402 alaric the goth invaded italy in 406 the vandals entered gaul in 417 the goths now allied with the romans chased the vandals out of spain and sent two captive vandal kings to rome in a triumph then in exchange for spain the goths were awarded aquitaine the pearl of gaul the queen of provinces with its towns of bordeaux agen Agoulême, poitiers and finally toulouse where the king of the goths set up his court there were gauls in toulouse who went out into exile rather than endure the yoke of the barbarian such was a certain victorinus the friend of rutilius the poet who left the land of his birth to live in tuscany but there seems to have been no general revolt against the goths for one thing they were brave soldiers and the whole country round was infested by germans the franks having settled in the north the burgunds in the west the sarmates round paris of all these the goths were the most princely courteous and strong they were christians and had assimilated a part of the roman culture it is difficult to assign an exact origin to any of these races of barbarians who lived on the road ate and slept on horseback with their wives and all their wealth in their rude wagons trekking from finland to constantinople and from the vistula to gaul it is so easy to take a halting place for a cradle but it is probable that the franks were germans from the rhine the goths germans from the banks of the baltic and probably of scandinavian origin while the huns we are just coming to the huns were of finnish or mongol origin dreadful little men like a bad dream with their fat flat faces pig eyes rare beards squat square shoulders and dwarfish stature more like biped animals says jornandes than like men the goths barbarians though they were seemed a protection against such as these the goths were more or less alive to the things of the spirit in the fourth century their bishop wolfilus combining the greek and the roman characters had invented for them an alphabet the black letter king oiric of toulouse drew up the first german code of laws they were a sort of link between the civilized world and the outer darkness of those cruel camps on the road better they than worse at toulouse such was probably the attitude of the discouraged country people and in fact as we are told by jornandes the gulf no sooner were they established by the banks of the tarn than the burgons and franks who infested the region most cruelly retired each to his own place while the vandals and alans crossed the mountains and returned to spain sidonius apollinaris the roman secretary of a gothic king has left us a description of the barbarian court in aquitaine at that moment in residence at bordeaux but how different from the bordeaux of ausonius in the preceding century i have been here nearly two months he writes to a friend and have as yet obtained but one audience of the king the master of the palace has little leisure for me for the whole world is here waiting on his pleasure 
expectant of an answer here passes a blue-eyed saxon that no sea puts off his balance walking on the solid earth with a rolling sailor's gait there some old sea-comber who has shaved his pole in shame of some defeat is now letting his locks grow anew look at yon sea-green herule the tint of his own ocean and see the burgund seven feet high who bends the knee and implores peace here comes an ostrogoth the terror of the huns but humble enough before king Euric, and thou thyself o roman thou comest also to the court of the visigoth suing for dear life the strong arm of Euric shall be thy buckler against the hordes of scythia and the garonne warlike and powerful shall protect the enfeebled tiber under the wise rule of these enlightened barbarians toulouse became the centre of occidental politics a link between the imperial court and the half-savage franks and burgunds surrounded by the flower of gallo-roman culture the king of the goths was almost as refined and far more dignified than caesar at constantinople and the latin prose of king oiric was praised at rome for its purity and grace the goths reigned at toulouse for ninety years and held toward the close of the fifth century nearly all the country south of the loire and west of the rhone all provence and all aquitaine and then they passed there is nothing to tell of the kingdom of toulouse these apt pupils founded nothing all over france we come across memorials of the great roman domination and they exist no less in the souls and minds of the french in their system of education their municipalities their law even their religion all these modern edifices are built up with roman bricks we cannot even imagine france without her roman background and the goths in their glory and their bravery passed and they would be as they had never been but for one great battle which they fought side by side with the romans at chalons one of the few decisive battles of the world the question whether barbarism or civilization should prevail in western europe was then decided it was in 451 attila and his heathen huns were pouring into gaul burning and plundering the towns desolating the marches of lorraine and champagne we have no word for the horror inspired by the huns the usurpers in gaul rose as one man against them romans goths burgunds franks but there were still more huns for all the savage kingdoms conquered by attila marched in his train there were weeping and fear and lamentations in all the cities in gaul till a little christian shepherdess from nanterre near paris a gallo-roman girl named genovefa inspired by that singular fusion of political sense with an ecstatic faith in the unseen which more than once has illuminated the women of france at some great crisis in the national history declared that attila was doomed that the huns should not come near paris in superstitious gaul her prophecy spread far and wide heartening the distraught populations and has not grateful paris ever since named genevieve its patron saint 
but if gaul owed much that day to the sanctity of the young shepherdess of the seine who awoke courage and hope in the hearts of the soldiers gaul owed even more to theodoric the goth king of toulouse who lost his life on the fields of chalons he lost his life but he won the battle attila was compelled to retire to his camp mourning a hundred and sixty thousand men like a wounded lion says the gothic historian he turned and held his enemy at bay and then gathering the mighty remnant of his forces around him slowly he retreated into italy nor did the huns again cross the frontiers of gaul and the goths ruled at toulouse for another fifty years till they in their turn were defeated and routed by clovis the frank End of section four